Good morning, New Life Church. Man, it is good to be here with you today. How many of I've met before? Raise your hand, wave at me. Okay, good. If I have not had the privilege to meet you, my name is Mark, and we have worked alongside your pastor, Seth and Kendra. Uh, and I tell you what, guy, you guys are blessed. I, I, I got to make sure I say this because Seth would be mad. Seth wanted you to know, and Kendra wanted you to know how much they love you guys. Can you give it up for your pastors? They love you. They're on vacation this weekend, and they're also upset with you. That's why they sent me, just so you know. But anyway, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my wife, Leslie, here on the front row. Wave at them, baby. Wave at them. They call us Beauty and the Beast. You can tell which one is which. But anyway, we've been married for about 40, this is 40 years this year. I put up with that woman. But we have three, we have three grown kids and we have seven grandkids. If you're a grandparent in the house, come on, let me tell you. That's called a little bit of paradise right there. And we are blessed. We planted, the, the, again, the Russellville campus and part of the Clarksville campus. And uh, man, we, we are just really, really happy and excited about being with you this weekend. Uh, now, we're in the middle of the family series, and today I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. I think it's going to help everybody in the room, but I want to talk to you. It's a wrapped around marriage and, and some tools that I believe that really can help your marriage go stronger. Now, now, wait a minute. If you're here today and you plan on getting married someday, raise your hand. Raise it really high. Okay. All right, everybody look around the room. Come on, help me out, brothers, sisters. Okay. Okay. Now, listen. The tools here today that you're going to learn, it's going to help you along the way. So you, 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 need, you need to lean in because what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about fighting fair. Look to your spouse right now and say, this is going to be good today, okay? We're going to talk about fighting fair. And I want to start with a few scriptures. I'm going to help the brothers out because the brothers, we always seem to be in trouble. This scripture is going to help you out, guys. Proverbs 27, 15 says, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. A quarrelsome, nagging, critical wife, she's like a drip, drip. All right, you got my point. Okay. But ladies, listen, I'm not leaving you out, ladies. I'm not leaving you out. Here you go, Hezekiah 27.4. Ladies, I'm helping you out. I'm with both of you today. It's better to have, it's better to have severe birth pangs than to live with a husband who is a jerk. Can I hear an amen from any of the women today? Shame on you women. Anyway. Now, some of the guys are saying, I've never heard of the book Hezekiah. You're right. I made that one up. I just wanted you to know I made it up. <laughs> but I think some of the women think it should be in the Bible, right? <laughs> anyway, how many, I, 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 by the raise of hands, how many of you have ever got in a fight with somebody over something stupid and insignificant? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, you know, um, how about on the way to church today? Anybody on the way to church today? <laughs> just a few of you. <laughs> um, you know, Leslie and I, we, like I said, we've been married a long time, and, and we've gotten way, I mean, way too many fights over things that were insignificant. Now, a lot of our fights were wrapped around kids. Anybody relate to that one? A lot of our fights. And so what I want to do, I'm going to share one that's in the archive of Pegley history. I mean, it's, it's branded in the, in the minds of all of our kids because it involves knives. Now, this is a true story. Now, this is a, this is a true story. So we, we're in the kitchen, and my son, you actually heard my son preach here a few weeks ago, Caleb. Um, my son, he, you should have seen him before he was a preacher. But, it, you know, it was right around, he, he was uh, middle school, and he, he did something. You know, so we're sitting at the dinner table, and she's getting the, you know, the dinner ready, and we start talking about what we're going to do, and we start arguing over how we're going to handle this situation. And my wife started giving a very strong opinion, how the women are, started giving a very strong opinion, and then I... I, like any good man would do, I put my foot down. And I basically went, you know, it's my way or the highway kind of mentality. 
And my wife felt very offended at that point. And at that point, she had a handful of knives in her hand. And yes, at that point, when I put my foot down, it was my way to the highway. Those knives go flying in the air. And it wasn't for my stealthness and my quickness. I may not be here today because all those knives ended up stuck in the wall behind me. Now, if you would ask my wife her rendition of the story, she would tell you they're butter knives, but they weren't. Those were, there, were, there was those Jinzu steak knives. You know, the ones that you never have to sharpen. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, lesson learned, my way or the highway just didn't go well back then. Just a few, I don't know, maybe, maybe three weeks ago. We got in a real, we shouldn't because we're pastors, but we got in a real bad fight. And finally she figured it out and she got down on her knees. Oh, yeah. And she starts crawling to me. And she's crawling and crawling and crawling. And finally she spoke out and she said, get out from underneath that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. <laughs> so that's the result of knife trauma. If you're a band of God, that's the result. I'm like, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding about the knife story, but I'm kidding about the bed story. But, but here's the reality, and I like to have a lot of fun with this because I, I know I'm not naive to the place. I know there's a lot of situations here in the room. There's a lot of situations with people watching online. And the reality is this, that all couples fight. And the reason why is because we're sinners. Our sinfulness leads us to do sinful things. One man said it like this. He said, marriage is when a man and a woman become one, and the trouble starts when they try to decide which one. But this is what we need to understand, everyone. We, we need to understand that healthy couples fight fair and unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight for resolution and unhealthy couples fight for victory, like personal wins. In fact, there's a fascinating study that you can read about online yourself by a guy named Dr. John Gottman who's kind of a marriage specialist. He studied couples who fight for 16 years. He studied, and he watched how they fought. And he, he, now he can literally, he says, he can watch a couple for five minutes fight and determine with 91% accuracy whether that couple's going to get a divorce or not. But because he says this, he says, it's all about how you fight. It's not if you fight, but it's how you fight as couples. So let's jump into this today and talk about fighting fair. Let's go to our, our, our section of scripture that we're going to speak out of today. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. It says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. Naturally, we're the opposite. And slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So what I want to do today, I want to break down this first, and I want to give you three things on, or three rule, rules on how to fight fair. Before we jump into it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in just that awesome and that wonderful name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for your, your, your Holy Spirit who's in the room, and I pray that your word, Lord, would hit each and every person right where they're at, that you would reveal what they need to see and hear so when they leave this place today, they'll be equipped at a whole nother level to handle disputes and challenges between them and their spouse. And they'll be prepared for the future, Lord, to be able to learn to fight according to your word, fight fair. Okay, if you're taking notes today, rule number one is stop to listen carefully. Because if you don't, what can happen is it just creates a greater conflict. 
Now, this is an area that I struggle with over the years because, um, like, I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, just, just really listening well, because, uh, you know, when we, numbers of times over the years, uh, th- my wife would want to have these talks just like at the worst times. Anybody, really, any guys relate to this at all? So like, like we're in the middle, I'm in the middle of watching a game and it's, it's really like, you know, the second half, it's an intense part of the game. She'll come into the room and she'll say, honey, I really need to talk to you right now. And I say, right now? She says, yeah, right now. Uh, and she said, it's really, really important. So I say, okay. So immediately I think, okay, it'd probably be a good idea to shut the TV off, right? Well, then I think, well, it's a, it's a really important part of the game. And I think, well, I'm a, I'm a brother. I can do two things at one time. You know, you know what I'm saying? So she'll start sharing this, her heart with me, and it's like the TV's here, and, and she's over here, and I'm looking at her, and, and the game's getting intense, and she'll start sharing with me, and she'll say, oh, you're not listening to him. No, honey, I'm, I'm listening, and I'm listening, and I'm trying to watch the game at the same time, and she'll be sharing, and, and she'll say, you, are you listening? I say, yeah, honey, I'm listening. And then all of a sudden, a commercial hit, and I'll be like, Phew. and then I'll focus in and listen. But then this one time, I really made a fatal error. I said something that she had just actually said 15 seconds earlier because <laughs> I was so caught up in the game. How many of you know that didn't go well, right? Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? And she said, I told you you weren't listening. I don't really matter. You don't really care about my sister, you know, all of that. Now, ladies, I'm not letting you off the hook because you do the exact same thing. A brother will come in and say, and I've done this to my wife, say, hey, honey, I really need to talk to you. And there you are on your Pinterest on your Facebook, on, you know, on your Insta, whatever you guys are, you know, you're going to, you're fumbling through all of that, and you say, honey, I need to talk to you, and he starts sharing my heart, and she said, I said, are you listening? She said, oh, yeah, I'm listening. I knew she wasn't listening, so I make statements like this to her. Well, honey, I collected all the cats in the neighborhood, and I sold them at the local Chinese restaurant for $2 a pound, and she goes, oh, that's wonderful. I told you you weren't listening, so anyway, it, it, <laughs> it works both ways, but, but listen, listen, we need to be quick to listen. And I, I don't want you to miss the power of the simplicity of this truth. I don't want it to pass you by because even when we start to fight, we need to stop and focus and really hear the other person. Here's what the Bible says when we don't do that. It says this, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. A fool is almost like, I don't really care what you're saying, I, I, but I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. And we so often get caught up with that when we're, when we're fighting. We, we're not listening to understand. We're really listening to, to respond. We just want to make our point. We, we want to win the fight. And the Bible says that we're foolish when we do that. We're not fighting fair. And here's something marriage counselors will tell you when it comes to fighting. And, and I, I'm still working on this, but that, they say this to you. They say that we should repeat back to our spouse what our spouse just said when we're in an argument. And this is why, because what it does, it forces us to listen, and it also validates our, our spouse. They know now that they've been heard. And as you repeat back what they said, you keep focus on the issue at hand. Because so many times, think about this, in an argument, you, you're thinking about all the attitude that they have, the way they're saying it, the finger pointing, you get all caught up in the fight and you lose out on the fighting for the resolution that you were out to fight for anyway. Another benefit in repeating what they say is what you do as you, when you stop and you repeat back to somebody, it validates their feelings. For example, honey, I understand why you feel this way. So you're, you're basically saying like, like, like Sonny, so you're, you're telling me whenever I do this, this is what, this is the way it makes you feel, right? 
And see, we, we hesitate to do that because we think that we, we're, we're agreeing with the issue. But no, what we're doing is we're validating the feelings. And the result is when you keep focus on the issue, and we need to because most of the time what happens is we get caught up in the fight. We get caught up in how she said it or how he said it. And we get so caught up in that that we lose what the fight was about, you know, from the very beginning because of that behavior. So we stop to listen. And when you do, you're saying, I value what you're saying. The second thing, if you're taking notes, the Bible teaches, guard your words faithfully. Guard your words faithfully. It says in James, it says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Proverbs says it like this. It says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth. I have a big mouth, so I can say my big mouth shut. And it says, you will stay out of trouble. And that's really good. It's a really good verse. Now, it's not a good verse to throw out there in the middle of an argument. The Bible says you're supposed to keep your big mouth shut. No, you don't throw it out in the middle of an argument. But when it says keep your mouth shut, when you're in a fight, it's so good to do that. Because you can focus in on, on what you're about to say you know you shouldn't say. There's like a couple questions you could ask yourself like really quickly. Should I say it? And should I say it now? You know what I'm saying? Because um, should, should it be said if the answer is no, don't say it. And the reason why that's so big with our words is because you can't take back what you say. So we got to be slow to speak because there's just some things that we should not say in the middle of the heat of the battle, in the middle of a fight. One thing we should never do is like bringing up another issue in the middle of a fight. You need to focus on the issue at hand. And, and that's what fighting fair is. You're, 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 you're fighting towards a resolution of that one issue. In other words, I'll say it like this, work on your other issues when you're not fighting. Here's a couple good tools that I use, and I think it can help you. You know, for years, I've been pre doing premarital and counseling couples for years and years and years. And one thing that I tell couples, once we get through things or through in premarital, I tell them to go get a yearly checkup every year of your marriage. And the reason, it's a game changer. Because the reason why, it stops sometimes things from getting so rooted and a marriage later on down the road, it can destroy your marriage. So every year, find somebody that you respect, whether it's a pastor, whether it's another couple that you look up to. Let them ask you the hard questions and get a spiritual, get, get a, a marriage checkup. Another thing that you can do, and actually Leslie and I just did this about a, a, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, is you can do a, a marital checkup together. And what you do, you can take two or three. We usually do two questions. And the first two questions you ask you, the first question of the two that you ask each other is, how are you doing? Are you doing good? Start out with that. Say, what, what am I doing good in this marriage, in our relationship? It's so funny, the last time I just did this with Leslie, about three weeks ago, I said, okay, honey, I want you to start. Give me two things that I do good. And I'll tell you, I'm not exaggerating at all. She, she turned to the side like this, and she's like, she's trying to think about two things that I've done good. And, and she's like this, and, I, and, and, I, and finally I just, how about this? She says, well, maybe. I mean, she could not come up with two things. But listen, the, the end result usually is they're telling you what you're doing good because a lot of times we don't know, especially us guys don't know. And, and, you, and, and it, it, it begins to build some positive question, uh, momentum for the second question. The second question is, why, what are the two things that you could do better? 
like, like, what are the issues? And I asked my wife that. She put scroll one out. I said, honey, only two. But, 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 but the two things. So, so what you do is you get positive momentum going talking about the good things that you're doing. It creates a context for you to begin to talk about the issues that you need to talk about. It's good to do that three, four, five, six times a year as a couple because it makes your marriage better. It's like, you know, like you're looking at your wife, your, your husband, you're saying, well, honey, to be honest, when you do such and such, it makes me feel this way. Or you're saying to the other, when you don't do this, it makes me feel that way because many times we're clueless. We don't know. So the goal of the checkups are to lead us with positive momentum in the good so that we can talk about the things that can blow up and really be serious issues later on. But the truth is, even though you follow these rules, we are going to get in a fight, guys, because, guys, you know women are just difficult. Can I hear a name? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're all staring at me today. No, listen, no, it's because we're human. We could follow all of these rules, but, but we're still going to get in fights because we're human. So what I want to do is I want to share just a few, a few rules for the fight. Now, some of you may use these rules. Some of you may want to add some rules to this, but this will help you whenever you're in a fight and you want to fight fair in your marriage. Rule number one, and I think you can agree with this, never call each other names. Unless it's that pet name that you've given your, you know, your spouse, like Smoochie Pie or Honey Bunny or Gummy Bear. I don't know what you call them, but, but whatever, that's okay. But never call names. Next is never raise your voice. I'm going to tie in, and I mean, I've had to struggle with that over the years. You know, it just never produces anything good. If you have to count to 40, you have to sing a song, you have to pray in tongues, whatever you're going to do. Man, don't raise your voice. Wait till you calm down. Another one is never get historical. Lady, 2007, I remember I seen a look on your face when you did that. Two, no, no, you never. The Bible says we never are to keep records of the things in the past. And this one's huge. And I'm still working on this one. Never say never or always. This is one of the fastest ways to, to bring an offense in a marriage because never and always is rarely true. Think about it. You know, with my wife, a lot of times I'll say, honey, I, I want you to know I'm really going to strive to not do that again. And that's the way we show and we communicate respect. Now, this one is, and, and I'm, I'm going to be really strong with you, never threaten divorce. And let me say this to those of you that have been divorced and we're talking about marriage and fighting fair and all this. Remember, that's behind you. Remember, we're, we're talking about everything that's in front of you. Yesterday ended last night. And when we get in arguments, man, we made a decision one day when we stood at that altar, it's till death do we part, man. We're in it till the end. Never threaten with divorce. That's a low blow. Don't put divorce out there in the atmosphere. And then the last thing, and I'm going to say this for the, the sake of Pastor Seth, is <clears throat> never quote your pastor during a fight, okay? No, don't do it. I tell my church all the time, listen, never. When you get in a fight, do not quote me. You got yourself into that mess. You can get yourself out. So we're stopping, number one, to listen carefully. Number two is... <clears throat> regarding our words faithfully. And finally, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is number three. Handle your anger righteously. This is so important because when we get angry, and you're going to get angry, we want to be able to handle it being led by the Spirit of God. James 1.19 and 20, it says this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness 
that God desires. And the truth is, if you're married long enough, there are just some things that we have to, at some point, just learn to let go. We just got to let it go and just learn to move on. I'm going to tell you a story that I'm really ashamed of, and I'll tell you why when it's over. But early on, when Leslie and I were in ministry, married, we were part of a really big church in the denomination, and, and, um, and we were the youngest on the staff. And the ladies in our denomination, I don't think they were really this way, but they seemed like so like mean and intimidating. And, you know, they just had that, that serious, intense, mean, intimidating look and the way they acted and all that. And my wife, if you know my wife, my wife is carefree and fun loving. I mean, she's just a blast to be around. She's just and she's, that's just who she is. So when we would go to these meetings, when we first became pastor, I would tell her, she can't say this, you can't do that, and you've got to act this way. I was trying to get her to act like all of those real serious, mean, you know, they, you know looking late. And, and so we would go, and it would never fail. She would just be herself. And we would leave that meeting, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, it would get ugly. I, I'm an Italian, I mean, it would, be, it would be a war. We'd be fighting over her not acting and, and doing what I wanted her to do. And I always tell people we lived in a cul-de-sac early on, and we never won anybody to Christ because we were the loudest house in the neighborhood. And things fly. But, but I mean, it, it would get ugly. So every time we would go to these meetings, I, would, I want her to act like those ladies, and she, she's just going to be herself. So I wish I could say to you we did that a few times, and then I finally got it, right? No, I, I put her through that seven, eight, nine years. We would come home from those meetings, and that was literally what would go on. And I remember one day, it takes me a long time, I'm not real bright. I remember one day it just clicked in me. Hey, if they don't love my wife for who she is, they never said they didn't. But if they don't love her for who she is, I need to just let her be who she is. And I actually, it's the number one thing I love about her, who she is. I just had to let it go. And, I, you know, and, 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 and my regret is I put her through that for eight, nine years, however long years, for all that time. Can you give it up for my wife for putting up with me that long? <clears throat> you just have to say at some point, some things are not worth it. And I would get so angry. Ephesians says it like this in 4, 26 and 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. A lot of people don't, don't realize that you can, as you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to sin when you're angry. It goes on to say this. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I want everybody here to look at me for a minute. If you didn't listen to anything that I said today, whether you're married or one day you want to get married, this principle I'm getting ready to sh share with you is a game changer. It can be life-altering when you get a hold of this principle in any relationship. And here it is. It says, don't let your sun go down when you're angry. Don't go to bed mad. And here's why. Verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Because we give the devil a foothold when we do that. Think about this. Anytime you go to bed with an unresolved issue, you've just given the devil a foothold into your marriage. And let me tell you, church, the devil is real. I don't care what anyone, the Bible's clear. He's real and he's crazy. And he's a master at killing, stealing, and destroying. And he's always aiming at the home. So anytime something doesn't work out and you don't forgive and you didn't talk about it, you go to bed, guess what happens? The next day when you wake up, that little problem becomes a much bigger problem. 
And I'm telling you, some of the issues that you have today, I've counseled, I, I've lost number in the last 20-some years, how many couples I've counseled. I've had some of the worst situations. And a lot of the issues started one day, sometimes years earlier, where they had an issue they didn't work through. Then over the years, it compounded, and it got more complex. And what they did, and not even realizing, they cracked the door to the enemy by not working it out. And Leslie and I, we learned something really early on in our marriage that was this principle. And I mean, sometimes it felt like we didn't sleep for days, literally. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it feels like that because you're refusing to let the sun go down on your wrath. We got to work out the hard things. We got to forgive. We can't go to bed angry. You got to be willing to fight this thing out because when we're not... If we don't, we open the door to the spiritual enemy, and the spiritual enemy wants to destroy what God has brought together. He wants to destroy it. Listen to me. Listen to me, everybody. Your marriage, if we desire the marriage we, we really, really want, we got to put God's first. In other words, we got to take heed to what he teaches us and what he tells us. we got to learn to fight fair. And here's a tip. I'm going to give you a tip today. And this tip on how to fight fair, it can even turn the negative tide in your marriage. And it's one of the first challenges. I tell you, some of the most difficult situations I've been in with couples, this challenge here has been one of the biggest difference makers. I could tell you all kinds of situations from multiple affairs, all kinds. And when they start here, this is the one thing. We could be in a counseling session and it go nowhere. It's just bam. Like in other words, and I'll challenge them here. And time and time again, I'll see a breakthrough. And here, here, here's what it is. It, it, it isn't a major revelation. It's seeking God together by praying together. Now this sounds, this sounds simple, but it's not. Because all hell fights against us. Some of the most intimidating brothers, they can beat me looking up at me are intimidated by this when I talk to them about it. Why? Because hell knows the power in it. Because prayer is the most intimate thing that you can do with your spouse. And today I want to challenge every, I double dog dare you, every single couple in this place, whether you're survive, whether you're dying, whether you're surviving, whether you're thriving, I challenge you to take the next seven days and pray together. Like grab each other's hands and look each other in the eye. It only takes minutes. And say, honey, how can I pray for you? And then the other one say, honey, how can I pray for you? And then pray. Where the intimidation comes in, we think that we have to have this eloquent, we, eloquent way to speak or to pray. Listen, no. God honors faith and he honors heart. You speak out of your heart. You pray out of your heart for your spouse. That's all it takes. But I know it's, it, it sounds easier when I'm saying than it is. It's a challenge. But the truth is, when you get God in the center of it all, you fight fair. You're praying together. This is what happens. You're thinking, okay, you're in an argument. You're thinking, doggone it, we're going to have to pray before we go to bed tonight. We might as well work this thing out now. And I'm telling you, it's hard to walk in unforgiveness and bitterness, man, when, when, when you're intimate with God and you're praying together. And what it enables you to do, it enables you to go from reacting 
Because that's what the flesh wants to do whenever we're, we're not getting along or, or when we're fighting. It wants to react. Instead of that, when we mix prayer, when we get prayer in the center of it all, we learn to respond by the Spirit. And I'm telling you, there's a huge difference from reacting in the flesh than responding by the Spirit. And as you implement prayer together, we can stop the spiritual enemy from getting a foothold. Look at me, church. There is a real spiritual enemy working, whether you believe it, whether you hear the words that I'm saying. He's working. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. I love this verse, James 4, 7. It says this, submit yourselves then to God. So what that is, as a couple, we're submitting to God by praying together, right? And then it enables us to do this. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to close this out today, and, and I, I threw this in here because um, these are four signs that you're not fighting fair. And it'll be really quick. Or that you, you may be in trouble as a couple. And I really want you to evaluate this today. Sign number one is criticizing. There's a difference between complaining and criticizing. Complaining's like, you know, hey, you told me you were going to do this and you didn't do it and I wish you would have done it. That's complaining. Criticizing would be is you never do what you said you were going to do. And when you find that in a marriage, a consistent critical spirit, it is the beginning of real danger signs because it leads to number two, contempt. Or truly you got this disgust and this sarcasm. Or let me say it like this, you, you don't even really like the person that you're with anymore. And then it moves from defensiveness. I hear this all the time when I counsel couples. It's like, it's like I, I talk to him, and it's like all her fault. And I talk to her, and it's all his fault. It's none of their faults. But listen, listen, everybody. It always takes two, always. One man said it like this. He says, the disease of me results in the defeat of us. But then finally, defensiveness leads to stonewalling. And stonewalling is where it's just like I'm done. I don't care, man. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm just done. They tune out and they shut down. So it's criticism to contempt leads to defensiveness to stonewalling. And what I want you to know, if you are seeing some of these things, it's time to get back to work on your marriage. It's time to start praying together. It's time to start fighting fair. It's time to maybe get a third party involved. Because, man, there's just some things worth praying for or worth fighting for. And to wrap this up, I, I want to acknowledge something just real quick today because I know some of you are thinking this. You know, the marriages that are watching online today and that are representing in this room, some of you, your big fighting issue is, is I, I, I don't like the way he loads the dishwasher or I don't like the way she makes the bed. I mean, just little, you know, not, nothing really major. But we have people in this room and online right now and it's a whole different ballgame. It's, it's a whole other extreme. Like, like we got marriages that, that she came home and saw him looking at porn this week. Or she cheated on him and with his close friend. Or there's abuse or, or, or even, even violence. And I understand the complexity of all of this when I'm talking about this, everybody. Just, just so you know, I'm not naive to any of that. So I want to acknowledge that. But this is what I want to say, though. But I want to tell you, if you seek God and you learn to fight fair, I believe the presence of God can bring healing 
to any relationship. Some of you may be thinking right now, we don't even stand a chance. This will never work out. I want you to know all things are possible with God. And the reason why I say that boldly, I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again when you put him in the center. There are some things worth fighting for. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And be slow to anger. Fight fair.